bottom line is that he was like when you're when you're big when you already have when you have a, an audience established like you can't have a minimum viable product like like yeah when i was starting a podcast when i was starting growth mindset university over two years ago i could i put out something horrible it sucked and i could do that because my audience was zero you might as well just start you have nothing to lose but if you're a company like apple you really can't put out a minimum viable iphone like welcome to innovation and leadership where i interview uncommonly high achievers like top investment fund managers elite special operations soldiers startup ceos who sold their companies for billions of dollars pro athletes hollywood filmmakers really as many different kinds of experts as i can the whole idea is to hear how they did it and then what advice they have for the rest of us that can be applied to the organizations we're trying to grow and innovate. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. This is part two of our interview with Jordan Paris. If you missed part one, please go back and learn about trendup.media. It's his website for his company where uh, he will produce your podcast for you. And probably the bigger subject of our conversation is his podcast called Growth Mindset University. Jordan, I'm looking through your list again here on your website on jordanparis.com and a guy who doesn't historically hasn't done a lot of interviews for quite some time that is pretty awesome in my books. Can you tell us talking to Derek Sivers? Any oh any takeaways gosh. that you got from Derek? Oh my Well, gosh. first let's tell people who he was, you know, built the first online music company, sold it for 20 million dollars, 22. 22 million, right? And uh, you know, TED Talks with millions of views, super inspirational guy to me, at least. Anything else you'd add about who he is before you jump into a takeaway? Yes, and it leads into the what what we talked about. He's he's essentially retired now, whatever that word means, retired, and he lives wherever. I forget where he was living when I talked to him. It was somewhere super, super obscure, very far north above europe i don't dude i don't even like i don't even know maybe it was like greenland or something i dude i i I really don't know and i also don't know my geography i hope i didn't embarrass myself there but we we did talk about you know what the word retired really means and i was like i was like questioning i was like does it mean to be tired again like (laughs) retired or like or like, uh, you know, you're putting on new tires, I think is, I think he said, maybe, or maybe I'm making that <laughs> up in my mind. And uh, so we talked about that, you know, I, I can't remember too many takeaways from, you know, from, from talking about that word, but we, so what stuck out to to me was, I mean, we just had a very wide, wide ranging conversation for an hour and a half, one of my favorite ever, you know, he doesn't, he, instead of like, you know, maybe you post something, Jess, and you know, you give credit back to like, like, oh, I got this concept from Dr. Cialdini. I got this from Robert Cialdini. You know, he talks about this in, in, in his book, uh, Persuasion or whatever. I literally did that the other day on a post. But Derek says, I mean, dude, if you're paraphrasing, if you're putting it into your own words, then don't, don't, you don't, you don't have to cite anyone and you, and you shouldn't. Like I, he was like, I hate seeing it. Like it's, 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 it's almost like irrelevant. Like it's, it's not necessary. If you put it into your own words, like it's, it's yours. And I actually don't know that I fully agree with him, but that's, and and he could make a much better argument for it. And he did, but I, like I said, I don't know that I fully agree with him, but I have definitely, it's definitely something that stuck with me and something that I do think about. We also talked about in that episode, 
like introversion, you know, cause him and I are both introverts and uh, you know, how we both deal with that. And so that was therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's fascinating to me because as a guy who has been very financially successful, but hasn't been sucked into the shoulds, you know, like he's, he's fascinating to me because he's so insightful and he's interested in progress, but he's kind of been able to like escape the rat race of he's not just pursuing what the mainstream media says you should pursue or what the business media says you should want. And, you know, he made a bunch of money, but isn't that worried about money. And he just has such a, he has such a unique approach to life. No wonder he he stands out so much, you know, Uh, uh, one of, and I've, I've said this, I mean, cause so here's why I reached out to him. I, you know, I heard him on Tim Ferriss's show many years ago and every year I would go back and listen to that interview. I can remember places that I was where I would, where, where I listened to that interview. Like I could think of several places right now while listening to that interview over the years. And like actually three places come to mind. That's crazy. Like, like I think every time I listen to that interview, I remember where I was, <laughs> but I, so I've said it since then. I, I said it before our interview I said it when he followed me on Twitter. I was like, damn, Derek Sivers followed me on Twitter. I've long thought him to be one of the greatest thinkers ever. Um, like he's, I, I view him very much as like, and he he would cringe at hearing this, but I think it's, I mean, it's just an analogy. Like a modern day, like Plato or Aristotle, like a modern day philosopher of sorts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's one of the greatest thinkers and unique thinkers out there, as you allude to. Yeah, there's so many great thinkers who their stuff is awesome, but it's it's somewhat expected for their vein. And that's a guy who consistently says awesome stuff that I was not expecting. You know, it's, it, yeah, he's very contrarian sometimes, like very just very different. And and, and not expect original is the word actually. Super original. Yeah, I feel like. <clears throat> do you know this guy uh, Stephen Johnson wrote the book Where Good Ideas Come From? Does that one ring a bell at all? Nah, but the name does. Great author, best-selling author. TED Talks are super awesome. In fact, I totally recommend everybody going to the Royal Society of the Arts, the RSA, like whiteboard video of his book, Where Good Ideas Come From. It's on YouTube. It's awesome. But he talks about this idea of like how the best innovation that's happened in the world is very often somebody goes and works on something by themselves and then they go bump into a whole bunch of other people's ideas, whether they live in New York and they're going to parties or galleries or events or conferences or whatever. But he calls that a liquid network where he's like, Mm -hmm. there's like a direct correlation to the more crazy different ideas someone has when they go back and work on their stuff. They're so much like they're likely to come up with something so much more original compared to the group. Think of what they do already. And I guess for me, I feel like the show is like my own liquid network. Like, you know, Derek Sivers pursues so many different hobbies and interests, right? And it's got to contribute to his original thinking. And so like in the, in a way, this show is kind of like my hopes to be able to bump into ideas that I wouldn't normally have bumped into. Anyways, I, I really respect that about him. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe another one I'd want to talk about next is again, maybe a, a methodology to life that I wouldn't have naturally come by but found really attractive. Can you talk about Dan Millman? Oh yeah, man. Just enough. I, I, I keep finding that when you bring up these people, the word kind comes to mind. Like mm. obvious with Robert, we talked about 
how kind Robert was extensively. I didn't say it about Naveen, but just Naveen, very, very kind. And, 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 and yeah, yeah. Uh, everyone that, that you've mentioned and, and James, of course, gosh, but Dan, yeah. Got him at a good time too. Cause I very well may have been the last interview that he's done even to this day because he's really not taking, he hasn't been taking interviews for a while because he's been working on his, his final book ever. And he, you know, he made an exception for, for me and my show. Cause I kind of just showed him like how much I cared when I reached out to him kind of. You know. and, and I guess I keep forgetting. We got to do this every time. Wrote author of the peaceful warrior, which turned into mm-hmm. a movie, which, yeah. is, you know, has been like a, been one of those cult classic books that, has just lasted for years. Right. And just, yeah, it's yeah, kind one of one of those hers. perennial seller books. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm looking at my, my favorite shelf of books right here. Mark Manson's the subtle art is number one. And number two is the peace way of the peaceful warrior. So, so question on this one, is it, is it takeaways again? Yeah. Let's, let's start there. Yeah. Yeah. So with him, yes, I said kind, but moving on in, you know, around the 38, 39 minute mark in, my podcast with him in September of 2019, he performed a magic trick with us. And I don't want to spoil it for people, but people should really like, they got to listen to that episode. They got, if at the very least, like skim to like 36 minutes to be safe and listen for like the next four minutes and, and you'll hear it. And it's jordanparis.com slash EP139 episode 139 and he performed this magic trick where at the end of a couple of minutes you know he just leaves you absolutely befuddled like how did that happen like like for for a second you're like in absolute awe and then the next second you're like okay how did that happen and the lesson there he describes it very eloquently in a way that i really can't so that's why you have to listen to but we, yeah, I really can't describe it. It's like our brain, it, it can't just be happy. It can't just be like in awe. It has to like immediately go into like, like, all right, how is this logical? How did that just happen? You know, like, <laughs> so like we, we can't just let ourselves like enjoy it. So but it, having, yeah, it, it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Having been a fan of his books and then going and spending time with him, did you leave thinking I've got to do more of this or this is what I need to do next? Hmm. No, not really. Actually, you know, as much as I hate to say it, it's, you know, it is hard, like as much as I would like to with every guest, it, you know, it doesn't always happen just because like the level of research that I do, like, like I've read several of his books, like his main works. And uh, so, you know, while the goal is to always get something new out of my guests and something new and original that might not be in those books, you know, it doesn't always happen. Number one and number two, I might not always remember. Yep. There might be, if I went to, if I went to listen to that again, which I actually did like two months ago and I was like, I forget what I was sad about, but I, I listened to it and it, it instantly picked up my mood. But if I listened to it today, I'd, I'm sure I could pick something out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you've had different people, you know, we've had some, obviously some people have been on my show, been on your show, Philip Stutz and others. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm interested. So my partner at our investment fund, Greystoke, Lindsay Hadley is really good friends with with Amanda Slavin that you had on. Oh yeah. And uh, Amanda had me to this cool thing. She was when she was partnered with 
the billionaire that started Zappos, Tony Shea, they were doing mm-hmm. this thing where they were they curate these groups and and they put us up in Vegas for a week in North Las Vegas to kind of show mm-hmm. the Vegas that's not on the strip. You know, we got to go. We actually got to go hang out with Tony at his meet Tony at his in his personal apartment, which was a little interesting. But it's just this fun week. I'm, I'm interested in how you chose her or how that connection happened yeah. or or anything there. Yeah, interesting. You ask. First off, Amanda and I like we really hit it off in in our episode, and yeah, she was really spectacular. And I was actually introduced to her, somebody that I like barely know that I've, you know, had a couple of conversations with about like potential collaborations, you know, for like a couple of events that he was putting on and whatnot. So, you know, we, we talked on the phone a couple of times only and, but this guy's a power connector and he's constantly like thinking of people, not just me, thinking of people, making introductions for for them and like, and, and letting those relationships run. And, and he's done that for me several times actually. And, but this one is probably my favorite introduction that he's ever made for me. And, and yeah, so we were, we were putting contact that way. Just an intro. Man, she, she's a super connector as well, right? Yeah. Amanda is. Yeah. So I, I feel like we could just use up all the time going through all these people. Dude, I, ha- I, I have some different questions for you though. Maybe we'll do one last one. Okay. okay. I, I think that Near Y'all has oh, got yeah. one of the best brains currently. Like the, the I especially liked Hook. His other books have been good, but Hooked was just so interesting to me, the level of thinking that he put into that. Any takeaways or any anything special about having actually talked to the guy? Yes. First of all, he's very good at articulating ideas and not using the word very very great thinker methodical almost yeah and and the way that he marketed this is not the takeaway but the way he marketed that book indistractable it was and i'm sure you saw it jess everywhere yeah everywhere for a while and this was again september 2019 when it came out september 10th and i i couldn't believe the amount of people that were talking about it from Gretchen Rubin writing an article about it and 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 every podcast here's what he did this is exactly what he did this is really valuable for people because I asked him too I was like what are the what are the top three things you did you know with releasing this this book when I was releasing my most recent one in January I I asked him what are the top three things the top three needle movers and number one was podcast number two was press I forget the third number one okay books or, or, or podcasts he he would go on someone's podcast and then ask them to release it the week of September 10th, hold it till then. And then he would follow up via email, very kind, thoughtful, short-ish, and ask if the podcaster knows anyone that would appreciate the introduction to him. And that's how I got introduced to him. And then he did that with me. He asked me to release it September 10th and then followed up a little bit later and asked, you know, if anyone would appreciate the introduction, what did I do? I introduced him to several podcasters. And so it snowballed for him, obviously. And it was a Wall Street Journal bestseller, Indistractable was. And it's still got great legs today. But my takeaway from him was this concept that he talks about called schedule syncing. Like you say you care about family time, you care you care about your, your family man, you care about, or, or gal, you, you care about your family, friends, 
you care about exercising, you know, that's real important to you, but it ain't in your calendar. Why don't you sync your calendar with your values? And then you'll be more likely to live out your values of your ideal self that, that you think of in your mind. So I, you know, you put that stuff in your account. I put, like, I put, you know, friend, like if I'm just, if I'm going drinking <laughs> even <laughs> with a, with a friend, like we're, we're having a, a party day, at, maybe at the beach, that's in my calendar. It just is like, like I would do when the gym was still open. You know, I would go to, F, when I went to F45, the, 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 the boutique fitness studio and, you know, where, where they have like these small classes there you know, what would be in my calendar? Well, 7am at 45 session with a heart next to it would be, uh, that would be the icon for it. That'd be in my calendar every morning or, or the mornings that I was gone. And so I've learned to number one, I put every, every, everything in my calendar. I live out of my calendar now. And number two, everything's in there, not just like work stuff. So, yeah. Well, I, I'm interested because you are interested in the art of interviewing. You know, mm. I, I like once we started, once I started doing this, I would like actively search YouTube for like, what has Katie Couric ever said about being a good interviewer? What is so-and-so oh. said? And these different people, you know, and I kind of came to the conclusion that I was not a Larry King interviewer who's, who is going to try to jump in. And so it's really hard because mm -hmm. I get excited and I want to interrupt people and I still yeah. do, unfortunately. But like, I have tried to be more of like a Charlie Rose where he's like, he'll let Brad Pitt go as long as he wants to kind of a thing. Are there are there specific interviewers you may you named James Altucher already? Are there interviewers that you look up to or anything about like the style you're you're trying to pursue? Yeah, I will talk about the tr the style that I'm trying to pursue in a second. But I look up to yes, James Cal Fussman. You've heard of him, you know him, right? Mm -hmm. Which actually, oh my god, I, re I remembered as I was falling asleep last night. He told me like four months ago to reach back out to him in the summer. Because he, he was writing a book. That's why he didn't do my podcast then. I got to reach out to him again. Cal Fussman. Yes, Larry King. Sometimes Joe Rogan, actually. And Howard Stern. Those are the core people that I look up. Oh, oh, oh and here's one that's just going to throw people for a loop that no, no one would ever guess this. You know, from Drake and Josh, Josh Peck. He does some, th he's got a podcast now called Curious with Josh Peck. He does some things real well. And... I admire his interview style and yeah, big time. And, but yeah, as far as my own style, yes, I study, I study them. I really do, but it would be a mistake to try to pursue one of their styles, to try to emulate one of their styles because, and this is something that I, I had a conversation with Alex Benayan from, he wrote the book that the third door, the third door, he wrote that book. And he's good friends with Cal Fussman and Alex got this from Cal and Alex and I talked about this and I assume uh, Cal and I will talk about it one day too. And it's that, you know, you see, you know, most people, they see the interview style of Oprah or Larry or, or, you know, they see all these interview styles out there and they try to emulate that style, but they, they're missing the point. They don't, they fail to realize that these people like Oprah and Larry King and, and Cal, they have their own interview styles. Like their interview styles are the way they are because that is what makes them the most comfortable in their seat, which in turn makes the guest most comfortable in their seat, which makes for a great interview. So it would be a mistake to try to emulate someone else's style 
and instead <laughs> you know of that makes just me think of you. yeah do you know uh austin cleon wrote the book steal like an artist oh, i i know i know the book okay i don't know the author but yeah so so great actually i gotta reach out to that guy but he i love what he says about like you know if you look at your heroes and you steal from one of them they'll say oh he's the next so and so but if you steal oh, yeah. if you steal from a hundred of them, they'll say, "Oh, he's so original, like Derek Sivers style." Oh, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's an interesting way to think of, like, you know, try try to learn what we can. Try to learn what we can because people have put in the hours ahead of us. They've spent the time. They've learned so many things. But but kind of like cherry pick, you know, cherry pick this from them, that from so and so, this from someone else, you know, and. Mm-hmm. And just being who we are, we can't help but create something different. If we if we try to recombine those perfectly, it's still not going to work because our personality is going to show through and it'll become us, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, may, maybe one last guy here to, to end off with. I am such a fan of Rand Fishkin's last book, Lost and oh, Founder. Oh, yeah, man. And Dude, just, I've read that book too. Great book. And just like how authentic for him to write a book saying being a founder isn't all it's cracked up to be. My yeah. shares are worth $45 million and I live on a hundred grand a year because we don't, we haven't had an exit event and you know, yeah. everybody likes to poo poo service businesses when let's, let's go through the math and he goes through he, the yeah. math, you know, he was and, talking about forever, how, like the whole book, like how he's not rich. <laughs> well, how, how different than like the Instagram of today where it's all look at mm. me, look at me. And mm. You know, if anything, people are exaggerating, you know, people are constantly exaggerating and trying to form this image of themselves in the mind of others. And his just like raw authenticity and just like radical self-honesty, I feel like it was a yes. gift to me as a, as a reader. And I've never met the guy. Yeah. I imagine it, that was a fun interview. An absolute gift. And it absolutely comes across in when you're interacting with him and, and, and thus in, in my interview with him. And uh, yeah, just very, very humble, soft-spoken guy, kind of like Derek Sivers in a way, al- almost like similar voices too, kind of, and and, 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 and speaking patterns and vocal tonalities. It's interesting. I, I'm only realizing this now, but I actually got from him like, and I'm sure you remember this from the book, but when he's talking about MVPs, minimum viable products, and how they ran, you know, they, they tried a, a minimum viable product at, at Moz when they had like 90,000 subscribers or something like that, I'm just throwing off the number. I might be dead on. I might be completely off and, you know, it completely failed and they, they, they were recovering, you know, in, in terms of like reputation for like years afterwards, or, or I, I don't know, he might've quantified it, but bottom line is that he was like, when you're, when you're big, when you already have, when you have a, an audience established, like you can't have a minimum viable product. Like, like, yeah, when I was starting a podcast, when I was starting Growth Mindset University over two years ago, I could, I put out something horrible. It sucked. And I could do that because my audience was zero. You might as well just start. You have nothing to lose. But if you're a company like Apple, you really can't put out a minimum viable iPhone. Like, you just can't do that. Uh, like you can't well, put yeah, out the, a minimum viable the market product isn't going to be forgi- ruin the reputation. Yeah, the market isn't going to be sorry. The, the market isn't going to be forgiving, right? Yes, you know, I great think way to put it. The other one too is uh, when he's talking about uh, growth hacking, and he's like, people love to talk about growth hacking. He's like, 
let me tell you the truth. Growth hacking worked. We got a bunch of new people. Guess what didn't happen? They didn't stay because they mm. came for the mm. discount or they, you know, we got their emotions to get them so, to get them in in the first place. But yeah. they weren't they weren't the ideal person. They got in because of the growth hack and it, it ended uh. up skewing our numbers. And we thought we thought we had made it. And we were overconfident when these new subscribers brought in with these growth hacking tricks, didn't stay, didn't end up being a benefit to the business, but did waste a lot, a lot of time and gave us a false sense of confidence about our future. And who else says that? Nobody says that. Everybody says, look yeah. at how great at growth hacking I am, right? Yeah. And that's a, that's a very great and important takeaway that I, I actually completely forgot from that book. But now that you're bringing it back, to the forefront of my mind, I like that's so worth remembering. Yeah. Well, listen, this has been fun. Again, I know we we've covered it before, but but tell everybody where to go if they want to listen to your podcast and where to go yeah. if they want to hire you to have you guys produce their podcast. Yeah. Well, we've been talking about Growth Mindset University, the podcast, and its guests for the past hour. And and man, it just I just have to say thank you. It's been a lot of fun. I've been interviewed over 60, 70 times. And this has by far been the best because you know what, Here, here's the difference between a good podcast host, a good interviewer, and maybe an amateur is this is the question that I've gotten maybe 37 times. What is the one thing, Jordan? What is the one common lesson between all your guests? It's not a bad question. Obviously, you see why people ask that question. But your approach of taking it episode by episode here produced infinitely, infinitely more takeaways than I than I could have ever provided with the former question. Whenever I get the former, sometimes I say I don't know. Actually, most times I say I don't know. Like, and and then and then while the other person's like recovering from me saying I don't know, I think I, I think of this is what I think of. I'm like, oh well. You know, the common theme is that everyone, you know, no, none of my guests are, none of them are victims. You know, they're, they're not victims. The, the things happen for them, not to them. And, and which is a very weak answer, a cliche takeaway. Like, so I, I really admire Jess, the way that you conducted this interview uh, with me today, like really admirable. So Growth Mindset University is the podcast. Obviously people know where to find podcasts and uh, trendup.media. If you want us to produce a awesome, I was going to say, yeah, I'll use the word badass podcast. <laughs> if you want us to produce one of those for you, we'll do it. And I think we do it better than anyone. Trendup.media, media. Love it. Okay, folks. Thanks for listening. Jordan, thanks for making time. Jess, you're the man. Thank you very much.